a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm former Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer Katie Williams. When I was competing, I would do anything I needed to do to be the best. But now that I'm retired, I'm trying to develop a more balanced relationship with my diet, exercise, and my body image. In each episode, I'll try a different diet or lifestyle challenge for two weeks to see if it helps me think, move, or feel better. For two weeks, the challenge I'm taking on, I'm taking on is intermittent fasting. Not just any intermittent fasting, circadian rhythm fasting, which is eating when the sun is up. That's a 6pm dinner and a 10am breakfast. The reason why I want to do this style of fasting is because I've never done this eating window before. I've done intermittent fasting, but never like this. I want to do it because I'm a big nighttime eater. I'm often not that hungry in the morning. I'll have a few coffees and I'll eat around 11-ish. But my problem is I'm a constant snacker and working from home means I do a lot of boredom eating and just constant back and forth from the cupboard and the fridge. My biggest thing right now is I'm eating far too late before bed and I feel like I'm trying to digest my food and trying to get sleepy at the same time and it's just not working. I hope this style of fasting will improve my eating habits and my meal timing. I'm hoping it also helps with my sleeping patterns like getting sleepier at night earlier, falling asleep faster. Plus, if I'm done eating at 6pm, then I'll have nothing to do but go to bed earlier. I hope this fasting will improve my mental sharpness, my digestion, hopefully give me a bit of extra self-discipline and self-control, and I'm also interested in how this affects my energy levels. I do have some concerns for this challenge, and one of them is that I'll feel really hungry late at night, or I won't feel hungry at the times I'm supposed to be eating. Like I said, I've got eight hours to get my eating in, starting from 10 and finishing at six. And at six o'clock, that's me done. No more eating. That's going to be a big change for me. I tend to do my eating until 10 p.m. at night. So that's four hours of time, one that I have back and two to think about food. Before starting this challenge, I wanted to get in Layla Metcalf. She's a fasting expert. She uses fasting to treat so many of her patients from chronic health issues to clients like me who are healthy and just want to experiment with some of the benefits. Just a heads up, I interviewed Layla before self-isolation, so the circumstances have completely changed. Like, I can't go out to dinner with friends anymore, which is something people often struggle with when fasting. But eventually, things will return back to normal, so Layla's advice will still be relevant then. In the studio right now with my naturopath, Layla Metcalf. And today we're talking about intermittent fasting. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. I couldn't have picked a better person to talk about fasting. This is such an interesting topic. First up, what is intermittent fasting? Right. So intermittent fasting is basically just referring to fasting intermittently. It doesn't necessarily have a very strict definition around it. So it's it could be fasting one morning a week. It could be... Um, fasting one day a week. It's just having a a fasting period intermittently that um, is different to your daily schedule. It's really taken off. Like it's this massive trend. Obviously people have been doing it for thousands of years. Why do people do it now, do you think? So about five years ago, Michael Mosley made famous the 5-2 diet. Um, And so it's come back in, I guess, the media and being 
having having such huge health benefits, people are tapping back into it. It's much more of, I guess, even more of a pop culture. It's not necessarily suitable for everyone, but because it has such far-reaching health benefits, it's explored now by athletes and, you know, for therapeutic um, medical reasons as well. But you have a bit of a different approach to it. Why do you love fasting so much? So many reasons. For me personally, I I guess I've always kind of accidentally done intermittent fasting because it's easy to just get up in the morning, out the door, have a coffee, get on with your day, and then by accident you're having breakfast at 12 o'clock. I got into more therapeutic fasting because I've got a, a chronic pain and inflammatory condition called endometriosis. So I got into more therapeutic long-term fasting where you're fasting for longer periods of time for like you know, 10 days to two weeks. No food. No food, just water. That's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, you can do that to varying degrees. You could have juice or you could, you know, do, do it however you want. But um, I've found huge medical benefits from doing long-term therapeutic fasts, um, which has completely managed my endometrial, or part of the toolkit that has completely managed my condition. Um, and I use that um, often in my practice with different patients, depending on what their health goals are or what they need, whether it's a short term or three days or just a daily practice where they're reducing their calorie intake for a certain period of time. Is fasting for everyone or is there people that shouldn't fast? Yeah, really good question. So I think that fasting could be really good for everyone. Um, for some people, it you know, it can be life-changing. Um, there's definitely health conditions that have been shown to show huge medical benefits from, you know, short-term, intermittent, time-restricted or long-term fasting, therapeutic fasting. But there are groups of people that should be cautious. So females in general, long-term fasting isn't great for female reproductive hormone profiles, thyroid, anyone with Gilbert syndrome or any funny things to do with their liver or their gallbladder, not always recommended, pregnancy, breastfeeding, and sometimes people don't know if they fall into that category. I mean, you know if you're pregnant generally, mm. but sometimes you don't know you have, say, Gilbert syndrome or a condition that doesn't necessarily present itself with this huge range of symptoms. But once you fast, it can often show itself a little bit more aggressively and it's not always ideal and fasting can be detrimental to some people's health. Um, so I always recommend, even if it's just experimental to whether it's experimental or you're going for like a long-term therapeutic fast to be doing that under the guide of a healthcare professional that A, is a healthcare, qualified healthcare professional and B, potentially has experience in fasting or a knowledge of the effects of fasting. So, See, I'm lucky because you're my naturopath and you've told me that I can fast and obviously I'm not in any way putting myself at danger and you're a phone call away, which is what's really cool about this. Totally. So today we're going to be talking about 16 and eight, yes. that style of fasting. So what changes should I expect from doing this physically? So physically, what changes should I expect from this? Sure. So the, the basic markers of health are really simple. It's waking refreshed after a good sleep. So if you're waking up feeling groggy, it could be A, that you had a late night, or it could be you're still in a bit of a food coma from the night before because you ate dinner at eight or nine o'clock. So if you're getting up at six o'clock, a, you're probably not having enough sleep because you didn't get to bed on time. But then B, your body's still processing all of that food at a much more relaxed state. So it's not necessarily processing it as efficiently. So you're waking up in this food coma, still a bit dusty. 
few coffees in. A few coffees rush in. Rush out the door. Yeah, exactly. Pack the bag. <laughs> Gone for 12, 12 hours, come back, do it again. So not waking up feeling refreshed is the, the first thing that you would want. Um, not having that morning slump or not having that morning slump disguised by a coffee. So if you're eating and you're eating regularly throughout the day, then essentially you should have this sustained energy from the food that you're eating. A slight slump in the afternoon, we'd get this like post-lunch time, 3, 4 p.m. slight dip. But if you're flatlining at the desk, racing for another coffee or a chocolate bar or something like that or, or falling asleep at the desk, then that's a sign that, you know, energy's not sustained through food. Um, and then being tired when you go to sleep, you know. Yes. A lot of people say when they switch around their diet and they, they start, they tell me, a lot of patients tell me that they, they're feeling really tired before bed now. I'm like, that's awesome because you should be tired before bed because you're about to go to sleep. If you're awake and wired and then lying in bed for a couple of hours or on your phone or whatever it is that keeps you awake, then obviously you're not easing into a deep sleep because you're not actually tired. You're still probably wired from the coffee that you've had throughout the day. So let's talk about the mental health benefits with fasting. Sure. So for a shorter term fast, like a 16-8, I think from experience with myself and with patients, um, the biggest mental health benefits that I see a behavioural as opposed to it's t- it's tricky to measure like or m- maybe the tests aren't just yet there. The, all of the fasting tests that are happening, you know, from a science-based place, they're happening, you know, in the last 10 years, but it still takes time to get them of through. Course. And So from an observational space, um, it makes you much more aware of the food that you're eating and your food behaviours. So if you're focusing on the fact that you're, you know, if you're now focusing on food more than you were before, um, your food choices can become better. Mm. If you're doing a fast in the morning or you're doing a fast at night, the behaviours that you have around that, so when you when you time in your exercise, when you time in your social activities, so if, typically if you fast in the morning, then all of your social stuff is going to happen at night, Co- more commonly. So socialising at night is drinking, is making poor food choices, is... Um, being unaware of the food that you're consuming. So from a mental health perspective, I think it's really interesting to witness how food behaviours change and your your relationship to food. How can 16 and 8 fasting affect my social health? Yeah, so that's a really, that's, I think that's going to be a challenging thing for you because as you said, like your social life is generally at night. Most of us are typically like trained from a very early age to do our feeding at night because you eat dinner with the family at night and then you go out and you catch up with friends at night or you're at home with your flatmates at night. So you're sharing it because food should be communal, you know, it should be a sharing experience. So if you swap that around, then that's meal time that you won't be sharing with others or you're sharing but you're sitting there and not eating. So what kind of challenge are you going to give me? Okay, so... Um, I think it would be really interesting to do a time-restricted feeding or time-restricted eating experiment to swap it over so rather than fasting in the morning where you're having your coffee, you're out the door, appetite suppressed, you can go until, you could probably go until the evening just have a couple more coffees. Probably. But swap it over. I do get hungry. (laughs) So that it fits into your morning routine but you're now fasting in the evening. So you've got a window of... 16 hours that could start around the time that the sun goes down. Um, 
up until you eat again the next morning. And you can slide that into how it works with your morning schedule. So like for me, I don't really like, I like to do, get outside and exercise in the morning, but I don't really like doing that on a full stomach. So I always have breakfast when I get home after that. So you still be able to work out your morning routine, but you want it to fit in so that you can have breakfast at, you know, 16 hours after your evening meal. So say you went to bed at six o'clock. Sorry, don't do that. Six, six. <laughs> I got to bed at like 11, honey. Too much to do. <laughs> say you went, six, six. say you had, so I think what the best way to do. <laughs> I get up at four. <laughs> okay, so you're up at four. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. It is. But if you've got stuff to do in the morning at got four o'clock, you got shit to do. The reason that you do the 16-8 and this um, time-restricted eating is for the health benefits of those particular hours and that particular feeding window. Um, so the science suggests that this is, you know, in a nutshell, the, the healthy the healthy go-to amount of hours to fast and to feed. But, for 16 and 8? Yeah. Okay, cool. What's happening for us is our body is um, processing on an internal clock called our circadian rhythms. Yeah? I'm so excited. So these rhythms, these circadian rhythms are, um, they're directed or they're regulated by external cues of light. So in the morning when the sun comes up, this is the this should be the first light that we're exposed to, which is kind of like switching on everything in our body. Now, at the end of the day, when the sun goes down and night, you know, it becomes dark, then that's another kind of regulator or an external cue that's telling our body what to do. So this then regulates our waking and our sleeping cycles. So it's metabolism, energy, hormone regulation, digestion, bowel habits. So all of this is regulated through our exposure to light. Wow. So by restricting dietary intake, so restricting your calories or the time that you're eating, you can have a, like a direct effect on how your body responds in those ways. So your activity, your energy levels, your digestion, all of those can be affected by the times that you eat from we, uh, complementary to the light that you're exposed to. So this is taking intermittent fasting sort of in a, in a different way because you're eating with the sunlight, essentially. Totally. So it's almost like you're using the sun as your, your, your alarm clock to tell you it's time to get things going, which it should do anyways, waking up with the sun, going to bed with the sun kind of thing. Um, but that has quite a specific effect on a range of different um, metabolic processes and quite quite specifically I think we spoke about, um, you called it digestion, which it is, but it's like switching on the hormones which are more sensitive during the day um, because of the light which are going to help you to break down your food, digest, and just kind of control all of your metabolic processes. So during the daytime hours, you're much more insulin sensitive than you are during the evening when there's no light. Wow. So that being more insulin sensitive means you have a much better way of managing your blood sugar levels. And That's the amazing. way that your body, yeah. So it's That's actually really profound. If people, this is why I'm so excited because if people knew this, perhaps they would change what they do. Because for me, Drinking lots of coffee in the morning isn't really the best. One, for my reflux, two, for my adrenals, you know. So it's it's so cool knowing that I can do this and now I know that, like, I'm going to digest better. It's much better for my body. It's probably better for my mind. Totally. And to be honest, I don't need to go to bed with a full, massive stomach. I can do all that at 5 o'clock. 
which I'm really nervous about. <laughs> we, it's, it is tricky and I mean there's so many other added factors into that because we actually don't just have the sun coming up and the sun coming down and yeah. that's what we've got. We're like on our phones until we go to bed. We were on the computer screen. Like we've got all this. Artificial light. Yeah, we've got all of this artificial light that we're exposed to, which also kind of warps things in the evening as well. So your waking hours in the evening are actually longer than they would naturally be because you're exposed to this synthetic or this artificial light. So I'm going to have dinner at 6pm. By 6pm. By 6pm. Yeah. Oh, by finish eating. Yeah. That's doable. I think 6pm is doable and breakfast at 10. The yeah. only thing is then, eh, what are you doing with the coffee? When does Black. your first coffee come in? Straight away. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the evidence is, is there to suggest that it's it's not having a ne- negative impact on the actual fasting for for this particular time for restricted Black. eating. Yeah. But if I were to put something in it, of course it would break the fast. Yeah. Okay. So do you think two weeks is long enough to notice these benefits? Yeah, I reckon it'll be a rocky road entry just because it's it's not just the change in the fasting schedule, it's the change in your social routine, it's um, changing and adapting to different hunger cues throughout the day. You may stop or you may drink less coffee if you're drinking a fair bit of coffee purely because you don't need the energy from the coffee anymore. So in which case the way that the coffee affects your body long term throughout the day, that could change as well. So your energy dips throughout the day as your, co- as your body starts to detox that coffee or get rid of the effects of the caffeine. That could be different as well. What am I going to do if I am feeling hungry? So the first thing is just to relax and be okay that you're hungry because you're not going <laughs> to die of feeling hungry. You could die of hunger if you're in you know, a third world country. Yeah. But you're you're not going the feeling of being hungry is not going to kill you. It's okay to be hungry it's sometimes. It's totally okay I'm to be always hungry. eating, so yeah. I don't actually know. Yeah. <laughs> and so being hungry is actually a really good thing because it's telling you it's telling you your body telling you that your body's done enough to be able to get to a space where it's probably could be time to eat again. So feeling hungry can often be just a mental thing. But also then you can get, you know, you can feel a little bit of something going on in your stomach or your tummy's grumbling, but that's totally okay. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong or okay. that you have to fix it. Yep. So the first thing to, to think about would be like, it's okay to feel hungry. I haven't eaten for X amount of hours and then I'm actually not going to eat for another 16. So I think being at peace with that is the first step. You're not going to die of starvation. So funny that I'm like scared. Yeah, but like, so many oh my people God, are. hungry. I'm going to be hungry. And I work. It's like with... I'm not going to fade away. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I work with so many patients that yeah, it's quite tricky because they then they can often fall off the wagon just because like, I felt hungry. I was well, it's, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. It's yeah. kind of like weighing up. What's the more important thing? Is it the health yeah. benefit or is it the fact that you were feeling a little bit hungry? And fingers crossed what the what happens for you quite quickly is that you notice the health benefits quite quickly. So that's even more motivation for you to be like, oh, this is, I don't need to eat late at night just because I'm bored. Maybe I'm not even hungry. Maybe I'm just bored. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually am excited, but I do have some fears and concerns. The fear is the hunger, which once again is A-OK. Um but I think the other one is my social life and having to restructure the way I do things. So I would say I'm, re- I, I would say I'm relatively organised definitely with work and, and my routine, but I don't think um, food-wise I'm as organised as I could be. I do a lot of eating on the go and I, it's like I don't want to bring an esky with me mm. when I'm gone all day. So I actually think I'm going to have to be super, super, super organised. So that stresses me out a little bit. 
knowing I have to meal prep for most of my meals. The other thing is what I do at night. Like I definitely am, I wouldn't say I'm a night owl, but yeah, like I don't come home and really unwind. Like I come home, open my laptop, try and clear out the emails, check Instagram, try and clear out the inbox. And to be honest, I do I squeeze a lot in my days. So I'm a little bit concerned. I'm, I'm actually going to have to cut back what I'm doing at night because if I'm having dinner at six, I want to be home. I don't want to be like driving home, eating in the car. No, like, you definitely I don't. I want to be, I want to do this challenge. Like it needs to fit in my lifestyle, but I, I am concerned with with having dinner finished by six o'clock because honestly at six o'clock at night, I'm at the gym, at someone's house, out somewhere, out for dinner, at an event or working. Yep. I'm not like chilling. I'm still going. So I'm going to genuinely have to completely change what I'm doing. And I don't want to have dinner at six o'clock and then continue doing things. Mm, Totally. I mean, a lot of the time that I spend in clinic with my patients is is about that. It's like, aside from the naturopathic side, it's the health coaching side of like, how does this actually, how am I going to implement these changes so it actually works for me as opposed to just, this is your list of things to do, go forth and conquer. So... I'm intermittent fasting and we're doing it almost like with my circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm. With your circadian rhythms, yes. yeah. What is my homework from here on out? I think that your homework should be that you get really clear on um, the diet that you want to have in the time that you're feeding in your feeding window. So that's going to take a little bit of time for you to sit down and just go, okay, am I getting all the nutrients in because I'm going to be meal prepping? So let's just make sure that all of the meals that I'm preparing for now because you're not getting food on the go, are they going to be the most healthy and nutritious for me to achieve those goals? Um, Getting a good meal plan down. So like I spend a lot of time with my patients like working through their day. What are they actually going to eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner? What are their snacks? Where are they storing it? Do they have a little nut box in the car? That kind of thing. So (laughs) Sorry. But it's true. People are so stressed and get so anxious like you are. Like there's so much anxiety associated around like when am I going to have time? How am I going to fit this in? Am I going to end up grabbing something and making poor food choice? I'm going to ruin everything. So there's so much anxiety around that. So if you can just spend some time as part of your homework, the first part, having a really solid understanding or a a good plan of how you're going to do it, what meals you're going to cook, how you're going to cook them, do you have enough time on Sunday to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So that would be a really interesting practice for you to do before you actually dive straight into it so you're not going, you know, just, you know, bare-skinned into a big experiment that's going to be quite strategically difficult to plan out. And I think definitely what I want to um, advise is making sure that you have that blue light protector on your screens because this oh. is a really important one that um, gets discussed. Um, Dr. Sachin Panda is the guy that's kind of doing a lot of the research in the time-restricted feeding and intermittent fasting to do with your circadian rhythm. So if we're doing all of this great stuff through the fasting, through uh, re-regulating our fasting and feeding window, but then we're going home and we're sitting on a screen that's exposing us to the artificial light. You're kind of undoing it. Yeah, we're not undoing it, but you're just it's not supporting the moving the fast to the morning. So I need those little glasses. Get the little glasses. Get, or you, you can get buy the, your laptop thing. Yeah, there's d- different apps you can put on, just putting it on night mode. Like all of those little things are really important to the point of like getting dimmers in your lights or having low light, pulling all the shutters down so there's no light coming in. So for you to really hack on the fasting, you also need to hack on your 
lifestyle habits that are going to support the fast? So my homework for this challenge is to be okay if I get hungry. That is okay. I'm going to give myself three solid meals within that eight-hour period. Plus, I'm allowed to have snacks. That sounds so weird allowed, but I'm allowed to have snacks. I've got you on hand to call you if I do have any concerns. I'm going to be having black coffee. I know that you're not stoked about it, but I'm going to be having black coffee um, in the morning, one, maybe two, probably just one before my breakfast. Probably just one considering I'm having breakfast early. My um, dinner will be 6 p.m. and my breakfast will be 10 a.m. Um, definitely going to be food prepping on a Sunday to, to prepare myself throughout the week. The other thing I'm going to do is monitor how much light I'm getting from technology. So my laptop and my phone, either getting the blue light glasses or downloading that Flux app mm-hmm. um, and trying to unwind more at night. Layla, thank you so much for coming in. You've given me so much information. I'm so excited for this challenge. I'm a little bit nervous, but nonetheless, it has been awesome having you here. And thank you for coming in the studio. Thank you so much for having me. And you know that you can just call me at any time. I will be. (laughs) Tell me that you're hungry and I can just tell you to settle down. It's going to be okay. Settle pedal. You've had plenty of food. No, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to work with you. I'm a few days in and I'm not really loving this style of intimate fasting. So my hours this time are dinner at 6 p.m. and breakfast at 10. I'm not usually a morning eater and I'm a nighttime snacker. Um, Cooking my dinner at 5.30 in the afternoon, like just, I feel like a grandma and it's not really the kind of eating like I'm not used to doing this. I feel like I'm still working in the afternoon and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's time to cook dinner. So. Until I get used to this, maybe I'll enjoy it a bit more, but right now I'm sort of battling through. I am actually late with um, my dinner because it's actually 7.18, which means I'm gonna have to push my breakfast back to 11. I definitely feel lighter. I also feel mentally really sharp, and that's why I did this challenge. I wanted to test out how I would feel cognitively, if I improved, if I felt more calm and present and focused, and I have. I'm in self-isolation, which makes this challenge, I think, so much harder because you're bored and I do a lot of boredom eating. However, I have good news. I'm actually hungry at 6 p.m. now, which is bizarre. Your body will adapt to the changes that you make. So, you know, like I said, I used to eat later in the day, like eat my breakfast later in the day and my dinner later at night. Um, and I'm actually starting to get hungry at the times that I'm telling my body to get hungry at, which is really cool. Okay, so I've been intermittent fasting for two weeks and the challenge is now over. And the question is, am I better for it? Yes, I am. I feel so much better for it. I didn't love the first few days of this challenge. It took me like a good week to get used to this style of eating. At 5.30pm, I'm still working, I'm still training, I'm still up and about, not thinking about dinner at all. So I had to completely change my routine for this. I usually train in the mornings and sometimes I'll train after 5pm. I could be at the gym till 7pm sometimes. So I didn't do that on this challenge. I trained in between lunch and dinner so I had way more energy and I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't training whilst I was fasting and I also didn't want to train after dinner because I just don't think that's, I think it's counterintuitive. I don't want to burn off the food I'm just putting back in. 
I tried to sleep more. Um, I slowed down. I trained probably like four times a week on average throughout this challenge. I felt more thirsty. I had a bit of a headache for the first few days. It wasn't bad, but it was noticeable. It was there for like two to three days, but it did go away. I was peeing a lot more, (laughs) but I was also drinking a lot more water. Week two, my body adapted to the new style of eating. I actually got hungry at 5.36. I'm a real life grandma. But that only happened after about day eight. So it took me a while to get used to this style of eating. And it also took me a while to actually start getting the hunger cues at that time. Physically, I felt really good. I had no bloating and I felt like I was metabolizing my food and digesting it really well. I was more regular, TMI, (laughs) but I also upped my fiber intake more than usual to make sure I was staying fuller for longer and I could stabilize my blood sugar. I was sleeping pretty well and I was getting a little bit more tired at night. I wouldn't say this was major, but I definitely felt more tired and relaxed coming into bedtime. Mentally, I felt really sharp. When I was fasting, I had so much more mental energy, alertness and focus, and I actually felt calmer and way more productive. Socially, I was unaffected by fasting because I'm self-isolating. I definitely had my fears play out in this challenge a bit. Um, I was resisting the early dinners. Like I said, I felt like a grandma and it interrupted my day plan. I was getting snacky in the nighttime, which I also predicted, and I wanted my tea and chalky and snacks after dinner. I still had them after dinner, but I had to squeeze them in before six, so it just wasn't as fun. I just felt like I was constantly eating. (laughs) I wasn't hungry at the times. I had to have my meals, which I found annoying to begin with, but like I said, my body adapted, and in week two, I felt amazing. Two times, I didn't cheat, but I had to push my dinner back to 7.30 because I ordered online and the food came late. And then I also had a family dinner and we ate a little later around 7.30. So I had to push my first meal back at 11.30 the next day, which was hard because my body got used to eating at 10 and I was hungry. Two weeks was definitely long enough to notice benefits. I felt like week two was way easier than week one. I'll continue this challenge long-term, but I'm going to do it a little differently. I don't have to do 16 hours. I can do 15 hours. I can do 14 hours. I can do 18 hours if I feel like some days. I'm not going to continue doing this every day. What I am going to do is do it when I feel like my body needs it. For a few days a week, I might do it. I also find intermittent fasting easier on the weekends because I can sleep in. And if you're getting up early, you get hungrier early. So I'm going to do intermittent fasting to fit my schedule. When I go back to work and I'm up at 4am, I'm not getting intermittent fast. I would definitely recommend someone doing this challenge if they are healthy and they have clearance from a health professional. And if anyone has any history with eating disorders or finds fasting triggering, then please don't do this. But my advice for someone wanting to try intermittent fasting would be to drink a lot of water, use herbal teas after your meals or black coffee in the morning. Don't overtrain. Your body needs more rest particularly more sleep for some people as well. Let your body rest during the fasting hours. Make sure you are planning your meals. Make sure you've got a healthy food shop, you've done some meal prep, the cupboards and the fridge are stocked so that you've got the right food on hand when you're hungry. When you're planning your meals, make sure they're balanced, make sure they're wholesome. All my meals really fueled me up, especially the nighttime meal. That's going to be my last meal for 16 hours. So I often had like a massive Buddha bowl. I had like rice, beans, cooked vegetables, raw vegetables, tofu, avocado, hummus, nuts, seeds. It was fully loaded. I made sure that all my meals were super balanced and I was getting in the right balance of carbohydrates, fat and protein, plus fiber to keep you more full. 
So the main question is, did intermittent fasting help me think, move or feel better? And the answer is yes, a hundred times yes. I loved this challenge. That's it for my two weeks of intermittent fasting. If you want to see the behind the scenes from this challenge, check out my Instagram at Katie Williams. My next challenge is a sleep health challenge with sleep expert Alina Wernell. Join me next time to see if I'm better for it. Better For It was presented by Katie Williams and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. And executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Better For It podcast.